Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. CambridgeSavings.com/CSB1. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Sometimes, for whatever reason, you get a glimpse at an industry or a workplace or even a community that you're not normally a part of, and you start to think, what? This system makes no sense. I can't believe an outsider is seeing something that people on the inside seem oblivious to. Well, that happened to Gary Slutkin. He's a doctor, and he'd been out of the country for over a decade. I left my work in Africa and World Health to come back to Chicago and to the U.S. just to come home and to take a break. And when he got back about a dozen years ago, he noticed a trend that captivated him and really worried him. I just began to look at graphs and charts and maps like any epidemiologist would, and it just appeared to me the same way, that it was behaving in the same way as other infectious disease problems. And so it was interesting enough to say, well, what if we looked at this in that way and began to treat it in that way? The problem, he noticed, was violence. Much of it clustered in urban areas, and it felt obvious to him that this was a health issue, not an issue of criminality. See, the key part of all this is that this is a health epidemic process, and it, it, we've not been managing it correctly. Because And so it's been a stuck problem, in case anybody hasn't noticed. And we in, in health, in public health, at World Health Organization, we always know problems get stuck. Malaria got stuck for many, many decades. Cholera, diarrheal disease got stuck. This problem has been a stuck problem because we've been looking at it through a moralistic view rather than the scientific view. When you treat this like an epidemic problem with the right kind of health workers, outreach workers, interrupters, you can bring neighborhoods down to zero. Slutkin felt like an outsider because the American people seemed to have already decided how they felt about violence, but he wouldn't let it go. He borrowed from what he had learned in Africa, treating AIDS and cholera and other infectious diseases, and he trained up a group of interrupters who started to interrupt violence, much in the same way that they might try to interrupt Ebola. And it worked. Why? Because contagions are contagious. And Slutkin, who's a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago, says violence spreads not through shaking hands or sneezing on someone, but by simply seeing violence committed. The brain is processing violence to produce more of itself the same way that the lungs are processing TB to produce more of itself or the intestines are processing cholera to produce more of itself. And the exposure, instead of breathing it in or ingesting it in, is the seeing it or it having been done to you. Hmm. And then there's another factor, which is whether you think your friends expect it of you, which, of course, is also unconscious. So how close do you have to be to catch something? Like, if you saw it <laughs> well, on, on television, is that good no, enough? Or do you have no, to see it, it in, like, your next-door neighbor? No, it's no, it's real world, and it's, okay. its proximity and context are essentially important. So, okay. I mean, little children who see it a lot in the home or it was done to them, they have a greater likelihood when they're in the next, you know, kids are under five and then more than 
they're more likely to do it, and it's dose-dependent. And if you have this, what's so interesting about this is that if you have all of these things that people keep talking about, about poverty and the schools are lousy and you know, the fathers aren't around, all those things, but there isn't exposure to violence, then you don't get um, violence. Hmm. It's the same thing. You have um, housing projects, and there's you know bad circumstances and crowding, nutrition's bad, and no one brings in AIDS or no one brings in flu. It doesn't spontaneously come. So you created this organization, Cure Violence. Um, explain what violence interrupters are and, and what they do. Well, I mean, just like when you have, let's say, an, an Ebola epidemic where there are people who are scared and they're you know, being told to change their behaviors. From, you know, you shouldn't be touching your mother in this way when she's vomiting or you should be burying your kid in a plastic bag. I mean, these are things that you can't be like ordered to do and all of that. You, so that was out of control until health workers who could spend time explaining and understanding and, you know, helping to support people in a new set of behaviors. And that's when that um, epidemic went down to zero. And it's the same thing. These workers, I mean, we do this with HIV AIDS, talking to people about their sexual behaviors or cholera, about their hand washing or their drinking behaviors. And here, the violence interrupters are the cutting edge of this because they have to find out, you know, what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow as a result of an insult or an event or somebody was with a girl or somebody owed somebody money and someone is like about to do an event, like someone about to have TB to infect somebody else. So we have to get on that. And these workers who come from the same community have the access, have the trust, have the credibility, and they have the super training to be able to cool people down, buy time, and then gradually help them find their way to where it isn't done and they can feel okay about themselves for not doing it because they're now thinking more about their mom or their kid or however we've reframed it or the thing got resolved. And then we keep working with that person for six months to two years so that the next time that he is so insulted or aggravated or whatever that he wouldn't go in that direction either, just like we work with a TB patient, not just for his acute problem, but for keeping him um, until he is more likely to not relapse. And that's why, since you, you know, if you're working on the events that are about to happen right now, and they don't happen, then the, the knock-on events, the retaliations, you know, the, the event leading to another, leading to another, that doesn't happen. And then, you know, in the weekend becomes better and the week becomes better. And pretty soon, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. You start to see weeks and months, you know, a year without any event or with events being rare. So you talked about these people, these violence interrupters, um, and you said they were from the community. How, how do you get somebody from the community who has credibility um, in the community to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to come in and sort of change the way this community is likely to do things and, and try to turn things on their head? Like, who are these people and how do you convince them to do things differently? There's a lot of criteria that we do here. It's, there's a lot of mapping. In other words, we have to find out who are the groups, where are the problems, and it's from the community is very, very uh, specific. You know, just like you need sex workers to reach sex workers or former drug users to reach drug users or refugees to reach refugees or whatever, you, you need to have people who are from the life who have a background themselves and having been involved previously and grew up with the same um, group or subgroup or part of the neighborhood. 
I'm Kara Miller. You're listening to Innovation Hub, and I'm talking with Dr. Gary Slutkin, the founder of Cure Violence, which is a group that works to prevent violence with techniques similar to those used to fight infectious diseases. Can you give me a couple of examples over the years of incidents that stick with you where somebody knew, one of these violence interrupters knew about something or a conflict that was like about to happen, and they got in there and somehow were able to diffuse the situation or just stop it from happening? Yeah, and it's not somehow. It's like reliably and it's every night and I have like dozens or hundreds and I could probably, we could pull anyone in here and tell you what they're doing right now or last night, depending on the city. But, and just to say that, you know, the evaluations of this showed that they're a hundred percent effective at, at preventing retaliations. And this is a justice department study, but in terms of the, what, I mean, one story that really resonates for me is a, this mom who, um, her kid, was loading weapons in the basement um, along with four or five of um, his friends. And she was really at wit's end and didn't know what to do. And of course, she's not going to call the police on her son. And so she called um, one of the interrupters in the neighborhood. And it's very easy to find out um, and to get their numbers if you don't have them yourselves. And from there, it, it just became, you know, that that person came over and called a couple of the other interrupters. And you know, the scene in the basement is essentially, you know, well, we don't know, we don't need you. We know what we got to do. And what happened next was, you know, what's going on. And they just go back and forth swearing at each other. But it, it just a reminder that the people who walked into the basement are not like, really, who are you? Right, right. They're people right. they know. They know, right. Yeah, and they're not going to do any violence against them because they're people, they're, and one of them may be his cousin or one right. of them may, because there's a lot of cousins around or someone who, you know, could grew up with. And so they're not like backing, they're, they're back off, but they'll hear the whole story and one of them will start screaming about what happened and, and then he'll be engaged. And so the engagement is, you know, hearing the whole story and, you know, that's awful. It's really awful what happened. I mean, why? How could they do that to you? You know, how could he say that? And so then, you know, the person is getting validation, and we're buying time. Right. And so, and then, you know, pretty soon, you know, hey, we get someone else to come in, and there's a little bit of distraction going on. And hey, you know, I know you're just trying to cool us down. And say, yeah, well, you know, that's it's better. And, um, you know, let's just get some food in here for a minute. You're trying to get them further and further away from that, like, moment of rage that spurred the violence, right? No, and this is also science. I mean, because part of your brain is really hot, and you you don't make sense when that's going on. So every time you're buying a minute or five minutes or half an hour, Mm -hmm. you're you're starting to win because things can go down. And if you're getting validated and, you you know, you're— and this being validated is so important, you know, that, yeah, you're, this is awful, you know. We got to talk to them. We got to find out what's going, really going on here. It was actually an entire misunderstanding of, you know, what somebody said to somebody and what somebody said that somebody did to someone else didn't actually even happen because wow. we're, we've got other people who are now calling and talking to the other people who are now freaked out. So they're like getting their bravado going, but really they're scared out of their minds. Mm. And we're able to pass back information that, you know, it, it really was a misunderstanding. No one even said that. That wasn't even the guy who was there. Mm. And everybody gets overheated over very small things. 
if you think of this as a health issue, is it possible to cure people who have been exposed to violence? Yeah. I mean, so what does the word cure really mean? It's not exactly 100%. I mean, when you say people, someone is cured of breast cancer, we know it's not really 100%. It might right, be right. It could reoccur or... Yeah. 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 So it, 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 do, it doesn't mean zero. I mean, it's only smallpox that we've brought to zero. But it means that it can be brought to the point where events are very unusual or rare. And for a person where his uh, likelihood of doing violence is likewise very rare. Hmm. So how has the public, just in general, just the lay public, responded to your ideas? Because I think uh, very often people do not think about uh, violence as a health issue. They think of it as a uh, moral failing, right? That if you do something violent, there is something um, amoral about you or you, you certainly had a lapse in judgment or whatever it is. So how have you found the public reacting to the things that you've said? Well, just to say something about that, and I'm so glad you mentioned it in that framing, because this is exactly the way we used to think about people who had leprosy or plague. We thought that they had moral failings, Hmm. people with cancer, um, mental illness, people with seizures. We saw them as as having moral failings, that they were bad, they had bad humors, or there was character problems, the reason that they had it. And the reason that we thought that way is because we didn't understand um, invisibly what was going on in the brain or in the body and so on. That's exactly the, the situation here. So the moral view is the default view when you don't understand it or know what's going on. And that's harder for a brain system processing than it is for um, a heart or lung or, hmm. or intestine or something, because we think our brain is us. Right. But the way uh, I, I think the public is really warming up to this enormously, but what we, what we need is for the health directors and the health practitioners and hospital um, leaders and so on to be speaking more about this. Right now, the spokespersons on this issue are not the health people. And the language that's being used is very critical. I mean, we have like the scary language being used. You know, we use these words that are embargoed in um, in the health world, like criminal. Well, I feel like, you know, for a- as long as I can remember, politicians have run saying that they were tough on crime. And that um, that hasn't changed for 20 or 30 years. I mean, people consistently say, like, I'm going to I'm tough on crime or I'm going to be tough on crime or so and so is not tough on crime or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know what this tough is um, because it isn't working. Mm-hmm. But it is working in politics. And why is it working? It's working because people are afraid. And so um, anger trumps fear. People don't want to feel afraid. They don't want to feel afraid and they don't want to feel sad. So the emotion that helps with that is anger. And this, this, is, another, this is a real human failing is the idea of this is a problem, it's their fault, I can solve it, and I will, I'm channeling your anger. I mean, we're seeing this in other contexts as well. It's a real human failing, and it's a shame that um, politically it can be taken advantage of. But it isn't, uh, it, anger is not a solution to a problem. Emotions aren't solutions to problems. I mean, solutions to problems ordinarily come from really understanding them that's what we do in health. That's what we do in medicine. I mean, someone comes in with chest pain. We don't start screaming at him or blaming him and saying he's a bad person. We try to understand what's going on. Well, is it a heart attack? Is it a lung problem? You know, how we, and, then we, and then even within right, that, we right. try to understand what does it mean 
to have a heart attack? What's going? How does the heart work? And then we apply right. solutions that are based on that understanding. And that's a, a that's the health way of approaching a problem. It's based on understanding rather than moralistic judgment. And then applying solutions that that are <laughs> that work. And if it doesn't work, by the way, which is what's going on with violence in many places, just as in medicine, if something isn't working, you don't keep doing it. You say, wait a second, do they have the diagnosis right? And diagnosis has been wrong in violence. Do you think that this model only works for, we've mostly sort of been talking about it in the context of urban violence, gang violence. Does it uh, have implications for other kinds of violence, domestic violence, mass shootings? Can, can this have other uh, places where it's implemented? Yeah, and it, and it is being. Uh, first off, all of these are contagious. I mean, mass shootings get to become more common when people see uh, prior mass shootings, and there's ways to interrupt that. Family violence perpetuates itself from generation to generation. And these are also transmissible between themselves. And we see people who are doing mass shootings who were doing family violence before and who were bullied when they were young. We see people who are coming out of war settings who are then doing suicides or are doing violence Mm. in their home. But we are applying it, cure violence, and we're not the only ones who are applying this to interrupting uh, violent recruitment. We are uh, working on this in uh, North Africa and have been consulted in many cities in the U.S. on this. Uh, We're working in family violence with partners, with others who have expertise in family violence. So, yeah, these are different syndromes of the same problem. So what happens going forward? Um, 2016 was a rough year, especially in in Chicago where you are because, I mean, we just saw uh, murders skyrocket. What happens both in Chicago and in other places, as far as you can tell? Well, I mean, let, let's just take the three big cities in the U.S. I mean, so Los Angeles has an adaptation of this um, approach that they've been applying since 2006 or seven. I mean, the chief of police there, Charlie Beck and myself, we presented this to um, the major chiefs meeting in Orlando a couple years ago. Los Angeles has turned a corner since then. And he will say this, although they're not um, police workers, they're um, what they call interveners there. New York City, there are 18 communities. It's in the city budget. It's in the state budget. There are 18 communities that are applying the cure violence model. Some of them have had very long streaks. Jamaica Plains, uh, well into the end of 2016, had gone 525 or 550 days without a shooting or a killing. Hmm. So New York and Los Angeles are using this approach fully, as are several other cities. Chicago has um, had an interruption in funding in March of 2015, and so it took exactly the opposite course. Gary Slutkin is a professor of epidemiology at the University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health, and he's the founder of Cure Violence. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. On our website, innovationhub.org, we've got a link to a short film from wide-angle youth media about Tard Carter, who worked as a violence interrupter with Safe Streets in Baltimore. And he talks, a lot like Slutkin, about how people model what's around them. You you are what you see. You are a reflection of what what you see. I couldn't have been older than seven, eight years old. I had a leather briefcase that I took from my stepfather. He was selling weed, so I used to see that. So I used to take parsley flakes and dump out all my mother parsley and put it in the corn bags. And now I run around the hood in my own fantasy world, like I'm a gangster. 
Laugh to keep them crying, man. From PRI and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Mimecast. Nearly 30,000 companies worldwide use Mimecast to help prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, phishing, and impersonation attacks. Mimecast, committed to making email safer for business. Mimecast.com.